uh, I feel like the lead up to the Ashes Test, there's obviously off-field sagas going on for both England and Australia. So we haven't had this sort of usual spice and storylines that we're used to leading into the summer. But Mark Wood, of course, a fast bowler from uh, England's squad, he was on a BBC podcast called Project Ashes. Uh, and maybe this will just get things moving a little bit. As an Englishman, playing against Australia is one of our biggest things you can do. I've played a lot of one-day cricket against them, had some success. Um, a lot of success as a team, some success individually. Um, so I'd like to you know, test myself against them again at the highest level. Um, it was... I was a bit naive and young, sort of, not in terms of age, but in terms of young, in terms of my test career. I just started, it was all fresh. I didn't, you know, take it all in and I'd love to have another go at it. Um, I think I'm, you know, a different bowler to what I was then. Um, I've changed quite a bit. I've got a lot more self-belief. I had the, a lot of belief inwardly in myself at the time, but because I wasn't putting the performances together, I think um, that sort of knocked my confidence and ultimately every time I was getting back in the team, I was trying too hard. I was now, um, ever since I've changed my run-up, the St. Lucia test and um, the Johannesburg test, to get those fifers in the bag and, you know, feel like I am an England cricketer and, you know, come up against this baggy green thing that they keep talking about. We'll be having my baggy blues on. I'd love to, you know, stick one up them. Oh, that's what we want. Mark Wood uh, on the BBC's podcast project, Ashes, uh, over the last uh, few hours or so. Uh, this is Summer Grandstand. My name's Corbin Middlemass, and this summer I'm very pleased to say, again on Grandstand Cricket, Alison Mitchell is going to join us, the dual passport holder, uh, back here in Australia, which uh, we're extremely chuffed about, and I'm pleased to say she joins me on Summer Grandstand across the country. Ali, appreciate your time. Hello, Corbin. It is great to be back and even more exciting, as you say, for it to be an Ashes year as well. So I come with my usual conflicts of the, yes. of the, of the English and Australian passport, but very pleased to have the Aussie passport because <laughs> it made, it meant I could get into the country once again. And um, and also very pleased that there's been no, no quarantine for me this time as well. No. So let's hope that, that everything travel-wise goes smoothly across the whole tour. Uh, you obviously had the whole experience last year getting on the bus, going to the quarantine hotel, doing mm. the two weeks um, there. How different was it this time around? Did it, did it feel like you'd sort of back in 2019, stepped straight off the plane and uh, <laughs> able to, to roam free? But, you know, it was remarkably quick getting off the plane and, and then moving straight through customs and, and out. Um, it was the build-up, actually, which was the more stressful because of all the paperwork and the forms and the travel declarations to get into Australia, the COVID tests required. And then the permit to enter Victoria. I think some of that, that's even been scrapped since I've been in the country now as well. But it's a changing situation sort of constantly, even as we know now with the you know, yeah. variant being picked up again in, uh, uh, in South Africa. And yeah, so you, you, you're constantly watching and even in Australia now, constantly watching and monitoring, you know, the border situations and thinking, right, moving into South Australia, what do you need to do to, to, to do that? And when do you need to back time your tests in order to, you know, get the results back before you land and before you then start yeah. work? And, so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be quite a jigsaw, I think, and a lot of logis logistics involved. But hopefully, yeah, as I said, we can get around the tour, and the, and the players are in the country. Um, they're up in Brisbane, the England team. Those who joined from the T20 World Cup, I think, are closing in on the end of their quarantine period as well. And yeah, only really just over a week away. So definitely ramping up. Ten days to go before the first test in Brisbane, December 8 at the Gabba. Now, the big question, the big news story during the week that I have to ask you about, Ellie Mitchell, to get going. The Cricket 22 video game had to change their cover, so they had to take Tim <laughs> Payne off. 
you're a commentator for the video <laughs> game. Uh, did that change any work for you during the week to, uh, to have to do a few extra bars to, uh, to update the game software? <laughs> you know I, I was waiting on the phone call to say, quick, we need you back in a voice, voice booth because we can't do the toss as you did it. No, I, I was actually doing, a, doing the sort of summarising type role, so a bit of a switch round for what I normally do in, on that computer game. So, so yeah, I, I didn't get that phone call, but certainly the, um, yeah, the front cover had to be changed, and that was headline news, wasn't it? Oh, it's the best promotion ever for the video game. It would have been a cool experience, I imagine. I must admit, I was, I'm still a little bit of a gamer, particularly sports games, but I certainly was as a kid with the cricket games. What was it like sort of providing commentary on a video game like that? How does it actually work? Do you know what? It is is possibly the, the most least glamorous role that, that I have done because it is long-winded. I mean, I'm not kidding when I said I had over 4,000 commentary lines and that was just in one sitting. Wow. So it, it's, yeah, it, it takes a certain amount of transporting yourself out of a dark little voice booth in the depths of a London recording studio to try and imagine that you are at the Gabba or in Sydney and somebody's just scored a glorious hundred or a six has just been lofted <laughs> over long on and you've got to give it the big everything. <laughs> So yeah, it, it it was a real it was a good test of my um of, of my broadcasting imagination, I would say, yeah. and I, stamina. And I've, stamina. I find it amazing, Ellie, that someone has to actually program that. So after you voice it, somebody's actually got to code it in the back end. So when certain things happen in the game, your voice matches up with it. I, it's a it's an amazing Iris, piece of work. Thankfully, that's all beyond me. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Ellie Mitchell back with us again on Grandstand Cricket throughout the summer. Um, Ali, obviously both countries going through um, off-field sagas at the moment. First of all, the Yorkshire situation, which a lot of our um, listeners in Australia sort of may not be aware of exactly what's going on with the parliamentary inquiry in the UK. This is a very tough question, but could you just give us a, an overview soundbite as to exactly what's going on with um, the racism row surrounding the Yorkshire County team at the moment? Yeah, it's, it has led to an enormous upheaval in the game. Um, not only, I mean, at the heart of it and what has triggered this is Yorkshire County Cricket Club's handling of uh, complaints, allegations of racism by their former player and former England under-19 captain, Azim Rafiq. But it, it reached national headlines. It led to this parliamentary hearing, which meant that Azim Rafiq was able to give testimony in front of MPs under parliamentary privilege, as it's known in the UK, meaning there's no risk of defamation or libel, because up until that point, the report hadn't been published and details of the allegations had started to be leaked in the media. Um, but this was a chance for Azim to speak openly without any risk of, of defamation or libel. So all details came out of his, his uh, experiences uh, during his time at Yorkshire and also representatives from the ECB, the chairman and chief exec were also in front of the parliamentary committee and the ECB's governance, their regulatory processes all came under extreme scrutiny and did not come out well. Um, the individual allegations that Azim Rafiq made aside, it has led the ECB to publish as they have done only in the last 48 hours, a a 12-point plan, a plan to try and tackle racism in the game, to tackle discrimination, to try and make cricket this sport for all, which has sort of been a, a centre point for the ECB strategy over the last few years, but clearly hasn't really been delivering. And I think the, the further allegations that have come forth from other players who, who sat and listened to Azim's testimony has shown that the game really does have a long way to go. 
Um, and I think dressing room culture is one thing which has you know, been highlighted and is at the heart of this, but it goes through, I think, sort of all levels of the game. So it, it's really been a huge period of, of, of a very difficult, um, damaging introspection, but hopefully some good will come out of it. Now, one thing which is quite notable, sort of, you know, with an eye on the ashes, is you know, what, where are the England team on this? Because we haven't heard from them. There's been something of a, a sort of media blackout almost from the England team yeah. um, up in Brisbane since this parliamentary hearing took place. And um, Joe Root, as captain and, and as a Yorkshire player, a Yorkshire through and through, did put out a statement um, shortly before the hearing took place. But it was quite a quite a bland statement. Um, I think the public expect and hope for a little bit more. And one thing specifically, which questions will be asked at the England team is because one of the key things of the testimony was Azim Rafiq talking about his former teammate, Gary Balance, and a particular allegation leveled against him. Now, Gary Balance played for England and a number of the players who played with Gary are in the current England setup. Joe Root was a housemate of Gary Balance's as well. Uh, during the, those years, when Azim Rafiq alleged that you know, various racist comments were levelled, and he believes Joe Roots was uh, was in attendance at social events when various comments were were directed towards Azim Rafiq, and I think people will want to know, you know, genuinely, were things heard said in an England dressing room that went unchallenged during those years? And this is a big part, Corbyn, for me about what should come out of of everything that's going on that has sort of been ugly and and really difficult around this process at the moment is acknowledgements of what may have been said in the past acknowledgements as Azim Rafiq said in his hearing he wanted acknowledgement acceptance mm. apology and then you can start to move on and, and notably he he said Matthew Hoggard when he recognized what was said that was were things that he had said to Azim Rafiq he immediately got on the phone to say oh my gosh like I I was a different person then I did not realize how wrong my comments were then. I do now, and I'm embarrassed, and I'm ashamed, and I'm so sorry. And Azim was very respectful and accepting of that. And he says that is all he wants, some acknowledgement that what went on in the past was unacceptable, and acknowledgement that behavior needs to be different and needs to be better now. And I think there there's, seems to be something of a blockage amongst some areas of cricket on that front. But yeah, it will be interesting. Questions will still be levelled at, at the England team whenever they do um, sort of break, break this media silence, I suppose, because they've been looking to lead the charge on anti-discrimination. The T-shirts they've been wearing before every test match in England last summer. So mm. for a bit of a spotlight to be turned on them, or, you know, admittedly, it might be a few years ago, but whenever it might be, I think an England team deserves to say to the public either yes even we might have been guilty of letting some comments go, but people need to learn to pull up their mates to to call things out when you hear something and it doesn't feel quite right. And that would that would indicate progress in the game at the end of all of this. And I think we sort of live in this age where uh, this sort of council uh, council culture sort of mentality. When really what we want is council culture in sort of C O U. Counselling. Yeah, in S E L. That's uh, and the, the Matthew Hoggard situation is a great example because that's uh, he's sort of come out of it actually looking really good out of all of this, and he's the only one so far that's come forward and said, "Yeah, absolutely, that was me." Um, in a way that yeah, hopefully it can be handled and dealt with in this. Um, 
some sort of closure for uh, for the person involved and the victim in all of it as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fascinating situation to see how that unfolds going forward. Um, closer to home, Australian cricket... Uh, in the last week, obviously, the uh, historical sexting scandal involving Tim Payne, which uh, came public. Payne steps down as the captain of the Australian cricket team. Uh, he then has taken a leave of absence, so he won't be there for at least the start of the Ashes series as the wicketkeeper. Now, the Aussies need a new wicketkeeper. They, knew, they need someone to bat in the middle order. That seems like a, a showdown between Travis Head and Usman Khawaja. And they now have a new captain in Pat Cummins, a fast bowler, to lead the team. Um, fair to say, Alison, there's been a fair bit happening since you've arrived here in Australia on the cricket front. What has been your view on how it's all played out over the last week and a half? Oh, well, from the crisis in England to then getting on a plane and, and just as I was boarding, hearing about the, the, the crisis unfolding in Australia with, with Tim Payne, uh, and there hasn't really been time yet, has there, for the usual sort of ashes banter build-up, if, if you like, with, you know, barbs being thrown here and there and, um, you know, the Barmy Army getting involved. And But uh, I, th- I think there is still time for that, for sure. But, um, yeah, Australian cricket has, has had to do some, you know, serious looking, I think, at... Uh, their processes as well, the mixed messages coming from Cricket Australia, you know, from board level about how the, the Tim Payne um, incident was was handled, how it was handled at the time. Um, and it, it will in a way be quite refreshing to just focus on the actual cricket and the, the playing side of it. And as you said, getting back to thinking about team lineups, team tactics, balance of sides, who's perhaps got the stronger side or not. And, you know, interestingly, I think there was a, a bit of a feel that yeah, will the the loss of Tim Payne in in a way would that strengthen the Australian team? I, I was I was absolutely saddened to to learn of Tim Payne taking the break away from the game of his own volition and the concern from his manager for his and and his wife Bonnie's mental well-being. Equally, I was not surprised that he decided to step away because I was felt that yes, he took the decision to resign in order to remove any sense of distraction for the team uh, with the Ashes and feeling that was the the right thing to do. Equally, I felt if he was in the team as wicketkeeper, that distraction would follow the team around throughout the series. Not least as well, he would have had to have contend, like it or not, whether it's a fair thing or not, he would have had to have contend with chants, with songs from the crowd. And even though the Barmy Army themselves en masse can't travel over to Australia from England there are enough expats and songs had already been yeah. you know written a, a, about the incidents and, and, and what had happened it would have followed the team around so saddened but not surprised that that he opted to to step away and I think it's the right thing for him but also the right thing for the team so yeah first of all a wiki has got to be chosen um but a new captain I mean regardless of yes Pat Cummins standing it is always it's a change it's it's a disruption in the lead up to a series it's another element of the unknown as to you know quite how pat will lead the team and how he will respond under pressure and how the dynamic will work with steve smith it's it's utterly fascinating and it does add you know, another layer of intrigue to to this ashes contest the handling of the whole situation i know cricket australia have taken uh, a few shots is that criticism fair uh, I, I think it has been handled in a very inconsistent way um, and clearly you never want to see a board with members criticising other members, whether they be past members or, or, or current members. I, I think it's it's clear that, that um, yeah, they haven't been on the same page about it and you shouldn't really be judging 
decisions made in one era by circumstances of another. Um, I, I found very mixed messages came from the press conference between the, um, Nick Hockley, the chief executive, and uh, and the chair. Uh, when they came together to to try and explain what had happened, um, that that wasn't a, a convincing display. I think players need to be very clear on 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 what their code of conduct is and and what their standards of behaviour are. And I'm not even sure that it's right to say that yes, it's okay for a a, a player to behave in a certain way, but because you're captain, you, you should be held to a much higher standard. Yes, you are held to a higher standard, but there are certain levels of behaviour which should apply across across the board um, so I think I, I'm, I'm sure there will be some reiteration of, of responsibilities um, I think Pat Cummins was quite telling also though saying that when he was asked about the the pedestal that we sort of place sporting mm. captains on and and he was quite clear it sounded as if that was an issue he had spent quite a bit of time thinking about when saying okay you know I'm, I'm not perfect the the, the level of expectation we place on individuals is 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 unreasonable it's unreasonable to expect perfection um, but at the same time there are certain standards which when you step into public life whether that's as a sports person as a politician some would argue that we hold sports people to higher standards than than some politicians with behavior that um that, that the people are able to get away with but yeah there's got to be an acceptance that and a, a realization and education that when you are in the public eye certain standards are expected of you and as Tim Payne has found out the the price of a mistake can be very very high very last one Ellie because I know you've got to race off to an Aussie barbecue how Australian is that you've been very here typical. sort of a less of a, less than a week and <laughs> off to a Sunday barbecue but exactly uh, Michael Vaughan said on this show a few weeks ago he anticipates England will uh, get beaten 5-0 so it was predicting an Australian ashes <laughs> whitewash um, do you think the series will be competitive how do you think it'll actually be played out on the field I think that's him doing the reverse Glenn McGrath. I think it's sort of reverse <laughs> psychology, you know. He actually thinks that England are going to win 5-0. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I think there's so many unknowns, aren't there? Because Australia hasn't played test cricket since India were over, um, you know, in, in Brisbane for that and that defeat last January. England have played, what, 11 tests in that time, albeit they've only won two of them. They've lost six and drawn a couple. And the, the two draws as well, England, were were under the pump. They've got players individually who haven't played for some time. Ben Stokes, yes, he's back, but of course he hasn't played for a long time. During the summer, Stuart Broad and Mark Wood both got injured. Jack Leach is in the side as the spinner, yet he hasn't played test cricket for an awfully long time either. So there are so many unknowns. Most importantly for England is to try and not lose at the Gabba. Uh, that almost sounds um, sounds negative in a sense because you should just be always trying to win. But such is the the history of England at the Gabba that you just think, right, try not to lose. If you can come away with, with a draw and better, you are standing yourself in good stead for the rest of the series. You'd always worry that if Australia go 1-0 up at the Gabba, that the rest can unravel quite quickly. But I think for both sides at the moment, there are un unknowns. As I said, with the captaincy around Australia, that is a change if one of their fast bowlers get, gets injured. So much of Australia's success is built around the fast bowlers being fit and, and staying together throughout a series. The middle order, as you mentioned, yeah, who will take that slot? There's a little bit of questioning over there. A new wicketkeeper to come in. So let's hope that it's a close series and let's hope England can win one or two test matches and make it competitive. Elliot, so good to have you back and part of our team on Grandstand Cricket. Can't wait to work with you across the summer. Enjoy the Aussie barbecue today. <laughs> Thanks, Corbin. I'm getting some snags ready. <laughs>